It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on this Saturday morning, October the 10th, with you until 11 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number. Lauren Tate is at hand as well. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. A lot to talk about this morning. We'll tell you about our show lineup uh, coming up. But uh, as far as the playoff action goes in professional sports, the uh, final four, so to speak, is now set in Major League Baseball playoffs with uh, Tampa Bay winning a thrilling uh, game five against the Yankees, two to one. Bottom of the eighth inning home run there provided the difference in that ball game. So it'll be Tampa Bay and Houston. Starting tomorrow. They're not messing around. They start tomorrow in the American League Championship Some Series. Some surprises there, I think. But, yeah. I mean, not based on the season. They played well all season. But I think most people probably figure the Yankees would pull it out after they got back uh, down 2-0 and came back to 2-2. And I think a lot of people were, were rooting and are rooting against the Astros. So yeah. maybe the, maybe Tampa Bay becomes the uh, America's favorite in that series. Astros are a good baseball team. They are. In the National League Championship Series, which starts Monday, the Braves and the Dodgers in the best of uh, seven series. So now we're getting down to the nitty gritty there. Who do you like? Oh, I I think it's I think the Dodgers are overdue. I they just, really I, are. Plus, they're one they're of these really years good. they have to crack. You know, go seven or eight years in a row where they're you know they're as good of a baseball team as there is in the major leagues, and then they can't win it. And and it's a it's a when you have a short series, it's always tough. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean the best team wins. But um, I was interested in, in, in a, a big story about the Cubs this week, Steve, that you'd be interested in because they're, they're, um, the strikeout factor. And when I see Houston play, they have more guys. That, they seem to have more guys that make contact, Bregman and, and Springer and, you know, that whole lineup. But they just – now, it may not – I don't know the statistics of it. But I do know that uh, this is going to be an amazing offseason for baseball because teams can't afford to pay players, free agents that is, new players, the kind of money that they've been getting because they don't have the income. Right. Plus they're stuck with paying players who are already long-term contracts. It's just going to be a, a, a desperate time for, for, for ma- not managers but general managers to try to figure out how to put their teams together. Because there's going to be some really good free agents out there, but where are you going to get the money to pay them? Yeah, and then what, you know, what's their, what's the player's way of thinking on this? You know, okay. Oh, yeah, they want their money. They want their money, but they also got to realize they're probably not going to get it. So, yeah. you know, where, where's the line there? What what do they take? What will be satisfactory? I, I just think everything's up for grabs in, in this uh, particular environment, and who knows how it's going to come out. Yeah, it, it, that's going to be. A, a, I don't think you're going to see as much many changes in rosters next year as, as you would normally have because you just can't afford the Cubs, for instance, can't afford to buy anybody. They got to pay the players they got. That's a that's a big load. 
And yeah, that's right. And they're paying some guys they probably don't want to pay, like the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cardinals yeah. have they still got the Fowler contract. They've still got the Carpenter contract. Yeah, one more year. Yeah. Yeah. Our number is three five six nine three nine seven. If you would like to join us here in this first segment, where we have an open line until. 9.15, and we're going to talk some Illinois football with Mike Bellamy. He'll be our first guest. But we've got time to squeeze in a few calls. Haven't heard from Alan in Montrose for a while, but we are this morning. Good morning, Alan. Yeah, you got me back uh, from the hiatus I was on. Six uh, Saturdays in a row, long enough. <laughs> What's on your mind this morning? Uh, the Cardinals is uh, pretty much a 500 team. They played like it from start to the finish, and even in the postseason. Losing Osuna hurt them a lot. Uh, Osuna had a great year for Atlanta, and uh, that's the baseball side of it. I haven't heard a whole lot about the football yet. Uh, hopefully we can get a game in Wisconsin, although not sounding real good. Well, it I doesn't sound good in Wisconsin, does it? They're having a really, a really outbreak up there. Right. <clears throat> Sounds like we could have a very good offensive team. I didn't realize we added on a couple of wide receivers that we had. Uh, the Hightower kid might be a pretty good one, pretty good pickup. Uh, I just haven't stayed with the football very much. It's kind of very limited to getting what you can uh, for a lot of reasons. Limited really. for us too, Alan. We we can't we can't find out anything other than what they tell us and. They only tell us what they want us to hear. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it sure makes it hard to get into the season, if you know what I mean. It's already about halfway gone for the fall, but it's still better than spring, I think. Well, they might have, uh, they might, you know, they, they, they want to keep as many things away from Wisconsin as possible. And, uh, you know, I guess if I was a coach, I might be doing the same thing. I better, of course, as a, as a, Reporter, I don't like it, but as a as a coach, I suppose I'd try to keep as many secrets as I could. If I had to keep Laird that was out or something like that, I just wouldn't tell anybody. But of course, Wisconsin lost their quarterback, but they couldn't keep that a secret. He's he's out for a while. He had surgery. How uh, how do you prepare for a team that you don't have anything on film other than last year? You got ten years of Wisconsin doing the same thing every <laughs> single year, or twenty well, years of Wisconsin doing the same thing every single year. You know exactly what they're going to do. They're not going to try to fool right. you. They're just going to try to overrun you. You got me there. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, all I got. I just wish the Cardinals uh, would try to find somebody. But you're right about the free agency part. It's going to be hard to sign somebody when you don't have. What kind of money you have, or if you have any money to spend well, on? Well, you don't have any crowds. You can't. You, the money from from attendance is gone, and that's forty thousand people a day every game for the Cardinals. Well, I'm sure a lot of teams got a lot of built up reserves, but that depletes pretty quick in situations like this. Yeah. All right, Alan. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Take care. You bet. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you uh, would like to join us here this morning. We're going to talk uh, Illinois football with Mike Bellamy coming up. One thing I want to talk to him about is the running game. And I agree with Alan. I think the offense uh, has the potential to be pretty good, but the running game has to be better than it was last year. Yeah, they fell off nearly 100 yards a game from the previous year when they had Bush at quarterback. And and it wasn't that uh, 
Peters did such a bad job uh, in terms of running. He's a really good passer, but he led the team in rushing twice late in the season. So they just didn't – they weren't getting anything out of their running backs. They weren't getting enough out of their running backs last year. Well, Reggie Corbin uh, was the leading rusher, and he had even a little bit of a down year himself. Yeah, he, so. he slipped a long way from his junior year. Yeah. We'll talk more about that with uh, Mike Bellamy, our other guest scheduled on the show. Bellamy will be at uh, 9.15. Coming up at 9.30, we'll talk some Illinois basketball with Georgie Bashanis-Villi. He's uh, back in the swing of things. Practice for the men and the women officially starts uh, this coming Wednesday with the uh, season opening no sooner than November the 25th. We think Illinois will open that day. There's word of a, a three-team or four-team uh, tournament, uh, not tournament, but round-robin event uh, being uh, planned, hopefully for the State Farm Center that would allow the four teams to play three games there. So that will be interesting. Then we'll talk some women's basketball as well. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Nancy Faye will join us to talk about her team, which has a lot of new faces, both on the court and on the sidelines with uh, the coaching staff as well. In between those two, Kedrick Prince from Rivals.com will join us to talk about some basketball recruiting. And then uh, later in the show, at about 10.45, Bob Hull, former member of uh, Lou Henson's basketball staff in Champaign and uh, former head coach at Metro State out in Colorado and now for the last few years a radio color commentator for Wichita State, We'll he's, check in. He's most famous as the husband of Cindy Close. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is a fact, no doubt. And, uh, uh, but the Wichita State basketball coach, Greg Marshall, has come under some fire here of late on an ongoing investigation about uh, treatment of players. And Bob, as the color commentator for Wichita State, will be coming on with us very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid we're not going to get uh, the, the details of uh, – well, some well, of the he may charges. Not, you know, he, he may not agree with some of the charges, or you know. he may not know all of it either. Yeah, he, he's yeah. probably like us; he doesn't get to see practice every minute. Of no, the time. he said he's been. He sees about one practice a week. He yeah. said, of course, and then he sees the games. Right. Yep. So that's the lineup. In between, we've got time for an open line. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Back on college football, some interesting potential games. Coming up uh, today, number one, Clemson against number seven, Miami. You like Oklahoma and Texas? Nah, that, that one doesn't have the luster on it, does doesn't it? doesn't have it, but it's still Oklahoma and Texas. So you're right. Alabama plays at Ole Miss. Number three, Georgia plays 14, Tennessee. Number four, Florida at 21-ranked uh, Texas A&M. Notre Dame is finally back in action. They're ranked number five. They play against Florida State and number eight, North Carolina is up against 19th-ranked Virginia Tech. Some of the uh, games among top 25 teams. NBA playoffs last night. The Miami Heat stayed alive. Now trail the Lakers three games to two. That's a fantastic finish. 111 to 108 was the final. Jimmy Butler, a triple-double. He played 47-plus minutes of the 48. And, and they just quit doing – they just gave him the ball, and, and it was a one-man offense, and they, they couldn't stop him. Of course, on the other end, you know, uh, James was just going crazy too. He was scoring almost – he had 40 points in the game. So uh, it, was a, it was a battle back and forth, and uh, now it's 3-2 to two L.A., and they've got to play a, a sixth game. Yep. Jimmy Butler, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. 
the Heat only played seven guys. One of the guys off the bench was Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, he had a really good game. He scored 14 points. Scored a bunch of points early. In that uh, ball game as the Heat wins it 111 to 108. Those are some of the headlines. That's our guest lineup on this edition of the show. We'd love to hear from you. Two weeks out from uh, Big Ten football, knock on wood, right? Yes, we'll talk sir. more about that as we go along as well. 912 WDWS. This is Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back with Mike Bellamy after this. Stay with us. Saturday Sports Talk continues. Brought to you by Alani Pella Windows and Doors. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Going to talk some Illinois football for a few minutes now. And running backs coach Mike Bellamy, former Illini wide receiver, is with us. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. Doing great. Give us a little bit of an update, if you would, about uh, how things are going in practice now that we've, we're two weeks out now from that first game. Give us an idea of what you're seeing with the running back so far. Well, you know, you get excited because you got guys running around and, um, you know, the, the thing that we didn't have spring football and not a lot of involvement in the summer, you know, you really didn't know what you were going to get except for a bunch of excitement. And, you know, right now, uh, you know, we don't have we didn't have a room full of guys that had playing experience. So, you know, for us, it was putting guys in position um, right now to see what they have. And I think we're getting some good looks at, you know, a lot of the younger guys and, you know, opportunity to be um, a pretty good explosive room right now. You've kind of got uh, you know what you've got in Mike Epstein in a way, although he's been kind of injury prone. But talk a little bit about him. Is he as healthy as he's been? Yeah, I, you know, and that was the biggest thing is that, you know, the fortunate thing about, you know, the interruption of spring ball in the season is, you know, he had opportunity to get a um, a good off season of rehab and, you know, getting stronger. And, um, you know, for him, you know, last year in camp, he was practicing every other day. And um, this year, it's you know, we don't see no um, hesitation about putting him in every, every series, every play. Um, he's full go. Um, you know, but at the same time, just want to make sure that, you know, my job is to get them to Saturday, um, the 24th, with the Wisconsin Badgers. Mike, this is Lauren. Last year, Dre Brown had a history of injuries and came back and had just a tremendous season. Uh, how is How might that be different from the way you're going to treat, let's say, Epstein and Love, the freshman who had uh, injuries last year? How do you deal with that in terms of the workload? Well, for me, I just take my hands and I rub it on the spot that hurts. And <laughs> I had had some great success with that. No, it's, it's one of those things, and I think you guys know as covering, um, you know, football all these years is, you know, sometimes the luck of the draw, um, you know, and to see the emotion that Dre had after getting through a spring, spring practice and fall camp, you know, not injured, he was also emotional. So, you know, I think Mike is the same way. You know, they're looking at how do I get through this, um, and Reggie loves the same way. But, you know, we got a lot of guys with a lot of um, bodies um, right now in our room. So, it, you know, not only do we have to make sure they get conditioned um, mentally and physically, we also got to find the, the guys that are going to be in the game um, as we go down this road um, for the season. You know, so it's it's no hesitation about them. It's just making sure that – you know, we get the wear and tear on their bodies and do what we need to do to make them successful. Before I get off uh, Dre Brown, he did have another year of eligibility. I know he got married. I know he was thinking ahead. But uh, how close do you think you were to bringing him back this year for yet another season? Well, that was that was a decision that um, Dre had, you know, 
put together in his head of what he wanted to do. And I think for him, um, his goal was um, to, you know, reach for the highest level in, in the NFL. And when he made that commitment, um, you know, I think as hard as it would have been to, for him to come back, I think he was he stuck with it. You know, and a lot of times we tell these kids to plan for their future. And, you know, and once that decision was made, I think he just moved forward with it. And, um, you, know, you know, we had conversations and lunch about even coming back again, but I think he had made a decision and it was the time for the Mike Epstein and Jakari Norwood um, Chase Brown to get their opportunity. Talk a little bit about those guys, uh, Mike, if you would. Chase Brown and Jakari Norwood. We've we've seen a little bit of uh, Norwood uh, in previous seasons, but uh, you expect him to get a little more of a workload this year. Yeah, you know he was a guy um, last year with the, in the numbers the game that um, got a few reps in the early season, and then even towards the end of the season got a few reps. But I think he's bigger, stronger, faster. You know, so we'll see a lot of him. Um, Chase Brown was one of the guys who transferred in and, and got a lot of reps um, going against our starting defense. So, of course, defensively, everybody has high expectations of him. You know, so, you know, and then when you got Reggie Love and, um, you know, you talk about um, Kenyon Sims, it's a room full of guys that have opportunities to get their number. And I tell them all the time, one play turns into five, five plays turn into ten, their opportunities will come. Um, and if they take advantage of it, they could, um, you know, be – a, a name that everybody's calling during this, this season this year. Visiting with Mike Bellamy, coach of the uh, running backs for Lovey Smith and the Fighting Illini football team. You've got an experienced offensive line to run behind. That's always key for a good running game. And I know you'd like to see the numbers in the running game improve a little bit. But talk a little bit about the offensive line and the fact that you've got a whole lot of guys that have played a lot of Big Ten football. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be exciting for a running back, you know, because not only do you, do they know what they're doing, um, they're passionate about um, being successful, you know, but they're smart guys and, you know, everybody is on the same page about our expectations. You know, I don't think they um, are sitting back on their laurels and saying, okay, we're the most experienced offensive line coming back in the Big Ten. I think they're working hard. Um, we, we've seen the videos when everybody is on – quarantine where they were doing anything and everything um, to maintain their strength. As soon as they got in, um, Coach Hernandez um, had them, you know, pushing the weight back up. You know, right now they're doing extra conditioning, um, you know, but they have to um, realize that, you know, as the team goes, as they go, the team goes. And I think that's one of the things they're real excited about at all the pressures on their shoulders. When you analyzed last year, what caused the drop-off in the running game from the year before when Bush was a quarterback as opposed to last year? It was probably, you know, it's, it's a combination of things. I think, you know, when when Bush was the quarterback and, and Reggie was brand, brand new, you know, there was a lot of different things that he was able to do. Um, Bush was probably more of a um, – a runner than Brandon is, you know, and so you're going to get defenses that play you a little different, um, you know, but then Brandon was able to show guys, um, you know, when it's crunch time that he could pull the ball and he could take off for a 30, 40 yard run. So defenses have to prepare for him as well. But, you know, I think that's one of the things that happens throughout college football is that when you have a quarterback, that's more of a running quarterback teams have to scheme a little bit different. And, and have quarterback players on defense to um, stop the quarterback run. So, you know, I, that that was probably the initial thought is that they were able to, you know, put seven in the box against Reggie um, and not have to worry about Brandon pulling the ball. But, you know, we were able to get a couple teams on, on that um, 
team for us. As you analyze Wisconsin, which is your opener, uh, what do you see defensively? I understand their, their defensive line is very good. Uh, maybe they've got some new linebackers in there. What, how, how do you see them? Well, I mean, Wisconsin's Wisconsin, you know, and, and as we know over the past years, um, they've been Big Ten champions. They've been in contention with national championships, um, you know, and right now they're probably in a position to where they feel that, um, you know, they're happy to have us as their first, um, you know, opponent because of the um, loss that happened last year against them. You know, so you don't expect nothing but the best from them. The game, you know, the Big Ten season opener, um, you know, it's it's nothing but what we expect as a Big Ten opponent. So, you know, they're going to be prepared. They're going to be physical. Um, they're going to be talented. Um, they're going to re- not miss a beat. They're replacing, like you said, second-level players. Um, but we don't expect nothing but a top 20, top 15 team when we go up to Madison to play them. Another couple of minutes with Mike Bellamy, the running backs coach for the Fighting Illini. Uh, with that in mind, two weeks from today is the game. How much hitting, how much physical full contact uh, do you anticipate over the next couple of weeks? It's been a while since uh, uh, you saw live game action. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and as a coach, sometimes you have to manufacture the physical play without anybody getting hurt, you know, whether it be a bag or a machine that the guys are running through. And um, sometimes a coach gets run over by holding up a bag a little too stiff and then running back runs through <laughs> it. Yeah. So it, 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 it's one of those things that, you know, you can't get used to getting hit until you get hit. You know, you can't get used to blocking until you block. So, you know, we manufacture, we'll have some drills, we'll have some, um, periods to where we go um, defense against offense full go but you know for us we have to be able to get to October 24th um, healthy in order to compete for the Big Ten Championship. Mike uh, analyze some of these guys we haven't seen an awful lot of Norwood we haven't seen uh, much of Chase Brown uh, analyze, if you're going to have a, a, a back in there that m- might be your best receiver you know coming out of the backfield which one would that be? Which would which one might be your best blocker in the backfield? I, I think that's one of the things that we've been sitting there playing with um, as we've gone through this last two weeks. Is there are times where Chase Brown shows great speed, where Jakari Norwood um, understands blitz, um, blitz responsibility, um, where Mike Epstein has um, been able to be um, the stout one when they bring a, a Mike linebacker up to a gap. Yeah. Um, Chase got great hands. Jakari understands defensive coverages. Um, Reggie Love has good speed. You know, so it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. So it's going to be a time where you're going to see um, when we go empty set, you're going to see one of the five or six backs that we have. You know, it, it, when it's time for blitz, we might be in 20 personnel where two backs are in there and we have seven-man protection where the two backs are going to have to pick up a couple of defensive ends. You know, so I, I – that that's going to be the surprise I think of the year is that you know when you've been here Reggie um Corbin and um Dre Brown's name for a few years you know who is going to be the next name and and of course everybody's going to say Mike Epstein you know but then you know who's next and I tell the guys all the time that something is going to happen where your name is going to have to be called and you know you got 105 players that are going to be counting on you and hundreds of thousands of our Illini fans are going to be um willing to make you the next superstar um, in Champaign and Memorial Stadium. So, you know, you know right now we're we're excited. So, 
Well, Mike, we're counting on you to tell us because you know we're not seeing any of practice, but I'm hearing, just hearing good things about Norwood, and I don't know much about him. He sounds like a, a breakaway guy, I mean, a fleet guy. Is that right? He is. Yeah, he's a track guy, you know, and, and a lot of times you want to know if they're track guys playing football or football guys playing track, running track. And he's a, he's a, he's kind of a combination. Um, you know, he's put on a little weight, um, which has made him a little stronger running through the hole. But a lot of times he's one of the guys, and we saw him last year, to where his vertical speed was the threat, you know, and, and put a little weight on him, make him a little tougher so he's not running out of bounds and he's able to take on a blitzing linebacker. Um, he's going to be a more elusive than anybody else. Um, but it just, what, what's been pleasantly surprised is that um, he's very stout within the run game, um, running the ball downhill, um, catches the ball very well coming out the backfield, you know, and, and at the same time understands defensive recognition. So um, it, it's, he's one of those guys to where, like I said, we've had some depth last couple years. He's been able to pay attention to what's going on so he's not somebody that you're like you know having to reteach um a group of guys and he's probably going to be the next guy up okay uh I, I should ask you about bonner i guess he is elected not to play because of the virus do you see him coming back next year or, or do you know uh, are you in any contact with him that's not that hasn't been you know because all you can do is coach the guys that are here you know and and i respect the decisions that they made as a family um, and, you know, for him, you know, besides schoolwork and making sure he's doing his schoolwork, you know, football, we have to count on the, the eight guys that are in the room um, during football season. So not sure what the plans are, um, you know, but, you know, I think his his psyche has been with his family um, in Ohio and take, making sure he's taking care of his academic business. That's Illini football assistant coach Mike Bellamy. Always good to catch up with you, Mike. And uh, it's kind of fun to be two weeks out now talking about the start of the season. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully um, families are well and everybody's staying safe. Hey, thanks, Mike. You're lucky you're not coaching the receivers. I heard they had 16 guys out there. (laughs) They got a big (laughs) crowd, don't they? (laughs) It's a big crowd now. Everybody everybody wants the ball, so it's going to be a fun season. All right. Thanks, Mike. That's Running backs coach, Mike Bellamy, former Illini wide receiver. He was a good one in his day. Coming, uh, He was one of those junior college transfers. You don't see many of those anymore, do you? No, I think uh, Illinois got one uh, Shipton guy from Cerritos in, in uh, California. Uh, and he's the only junior college. And, and we've got a lot of transfers, right. but he's the only junior college transfer on that list. So we talked there a lot about the running backs and uh, it's still – to me, uh, a question mark, not that one conversation is going to change that thought, but uh, I'm excited to see Mike Epstein. However, you know, he's shown some signs, but he's been injury prone and he's gone down early in most cases. So we haven't seen him in, a, in the long haul. No, and, and the scary part is whether it's Dudek or coming on through with several other players like that, including Sidney, uh, who's a doggone good receiver. It seems like when guys get injured uh, – once or twice that it can always happen. It seems to always happen again. And guys that don't get injured, you know, never get injured. That's kind of a strange statement. But what we see is guys that uh, that tend to uh, just can't avoid injuries uh, for their careers. And we have several players like that. Although Dre Brown came back after three years of fighting it, Steve, mm-hmm. and and had a terrific year last year, and actually had another year of eligibility. You know, I, I was gonna tell you that I went uh, through the list the other day 
of all the guys who could have played this year for Illinois, but are, there's about a dozen guys that had eligibility to play this year, but uh, whether it's Cerny or, or I mentioned Dre Brown, we had a number of players that just dropped off. Uh, Rayvon Bonner, another. Excuse me? Bonner. Yep. Well, yeah, Bonner and, and DeGroot uh, were the last two to drop off. But, um, and, and we had uh, Carter, the receiver. Who, but the, the one thing I will say to you is that the ones that dropped off, for the overwhelming most part, uh, were not going to be starters and maybe weren't going to play as much as they would want to play if they, if they would come back. So I don't think Illinois has been dramatically hurt by Bonner or the players that have left. I think, they've, I think they've got the best squad that they've had since Lovey's been here, maybe the best squads for several years. I mean, better than any of the Beckman squads, surely. So this is Illinois' best team by a pretty clear margin. Whether it's good enough, I don't know, but I, this is definitely Illinois' best team. Here's a question for you. What are you most excited about as we move our way through the month of October and then into November? Football or basketball? They're going to both. They're going to overlap sooner well, I and more a, often. I got a bad habit. I like the sport that I'm in. If it's I base, do too. If, if it's base, if baseball season in spring, I'm all fired up about baseball. The, the great thing about living when I did live <laughs> back in the day when I was involved in sports is that what I. What do you just, mean when you did live? You're not. <laughs> you're well, not I, living I, now. I quit living several years ago. <laughs> but um, the thing was that. Somebody would ask, what, what's your favorite sport? I said, well, it's whatever's in season. Well, that's not the way it is now, Steve. If you're a basketball player in high school now, you play basketball 12 months of the year. If you're a football player, you train for that. You're working with Edgy Tim in Chicago maybe, or you're, you're preparing for the football season forever. And I, you just don't have the, the Jim Ruxes and the, and the Kurt Steegers and, and so many of those guys that used to come in here and play baseball in the spring and play football in the fall. And, and we even had players like Garvin Robertson, Roberson that played basketball. And the next thing you know, he's, he's playing football. I mean, he's playing football and then he played basketball. You didn't quit living. You just changed your ways. <laughs> well, I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> but but uh, as far as uh, looking forward to basketball or football, right now I'm looking forward to football. Mm-hmm. When when the time comes, uh, basketball will be very much in the forefront. But I kind of go with the, with the seasons. I got in the habit of doing that when I was a kid. And as far as we know, there still will be no fans for either sport. So nobody's going to be allowed. Not even parents are going to be allowed in Wisconsin. Did you hear that? I did not hear that. Oh yeah, they've 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 got they've got had a, a real outbreak up there, and they're not even going to let the parents in for that game. Parents of Illinois players or Wisconsin players, they just can't go. Nobody. That game is two weeks from today. Mm-hmm. We hope. Nine thirty-three. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, with you and. We're heading towards 11 o'clock. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Illinois basketball with Georgie Bashanosvili coming up in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Going to talk some Illinois basketball now. Georgie Bashanosvili is with us for a few minutes. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this year. A year like no other, but uh, you were kind of uh, isolated here, away from all the guys uh, over the winter. But uh, talk about how you got through that and how are things uh, feeling for you now? 
been a crazy, crazy, crazy experience for me personally because uh, uh, when everybody left, you know, when the quarantine first started, I was uh, the only one here because even the band who is from Belgium, he went out with uh, some of his friends, uh, with one of his friends uh, to a different town. So I was literally by myself here. It was really crazy at first, but then uh, I decided for myself that I'm not just going to be out here at home sad and uh, uh, just don't do anything. So I started doing different things, you know, like running outside, exercising, just um, different spots on campus, going into the uh, little woods here and there, started doing my woodworking a little bit. And uh, I just uh, kept myself busy, uh, making right choices every day. And uh, I feel like I have learned a lot personally. I'm hearing that you might be in the best shape you've ever been in. Isn't that accurate? Uh, it is very accurate. I can definitely say that myself. Uh, I don't need anybody's opinion on it. I can say it. It's a fact that I'm in the best shape of my, uh, of my life, period. Talk about, uh, Georgie, if you would, talk about some of the new guys that have shown up. Now, practices don't officially get started till next Wednesday, but you've had some group workouts. Talk about what you've seen with some of the new guys. Uh, an amazing, amazing group of guys. You know, we have uh, a lot of veterans who already know what they're doing and uh, a lot of you know, young, talented guys who also know what we're doing and they are learning, obviously. Still, our defense and offense are what we are about. They already know what we are about, but they really get more and more experience and really just uh, we are just coming really, really, really together. What I also see is a big, big swagger. Uh, what I haven't seen here yet, you know, in my last past, past few years, uh, we always have been a great group and hardworking and everything, but this swagger that we have as a team right now, we haven't had it, uh, and I feel like we have it right now, and um, even though this coronavirus is going on and a lot of restrictions and this and that, um, still guys are, you know, having so much fun together uh, on the court, off the court, having this swagger, obviously basketball-wise, we, I mean, everybody knows that, how good we are and we will be and we could be. So uh, it's just um, it's just an amazing group of guys, and I'm so proud to be part of it. Well, Georgie, uh, when you came here, Illinois wasn't ranked in the top 10. They weren't even in the top 25. Some, uh, like uh, we've even got a few people that got you in the top four. But uh, what's the how does that affect uh, how you go about business here to, to realize that you're ranked so high? It doesn't really say anything to me personally, you know, for this year that we are ranked because what it shows is that, that since I've been here, and uh, not just me, but all the guys who have been here since I've been here, have put in a lot of work, and that work has paid off, you know, from, from my first year where we struggled a lot uh, as a team, but we um, had we showed a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of great things through the work um, we accomplished this right now, that people are talking about us like we are top 10, top 4, like you said. Uh, it is just a result of work. And we have uh, we have not stopped that, you know, this summer, even right now. Uh, through the quarantine, we always kept working, keep getting better every day. We are everyday guys, you know, even uh, sometimes it's not physical, it's mental. Uh, we get better every single day. And um, it's just the result of work that people, you know, now uh, talk about it this way. And um, it is actually pretty accurate, if you ask me. Uh, and um, just to put it simply, just a result of a lot of hard work from all the guys, you know. Now, when you came in, you were essentially a center. Last year, you played both positions, a power forward and center. How is, how is the work going in practice? What do you spend most of your time at? What, what's the coach using you mostly? 
see he's using me right now against Kofi at the center position, but also um, I, I don't want to sound cocky or anything like that, but I'm a very skilled guy, you know, even though some people may doubt me and this and that, but I have a lot in my bag, so uh, he definitely puts me on this position four as well, and uh, as the season progresses and we start playing games, we'll be seeing different lineups and different uh, play, me playing different positions again, and uh, Mostly, though, I will be honest with you guys, uh, I'm playing the stern position right now. So that would mean probably you'd be back up for Kofi and then at the same time be playing the power forward, uh, maybe uh, uh, switching off there. Is that that's the way you see it? question for me to answer. Uh, <laughs> that's how I see it. Uh, that's yeah. a question for Coach. Yeah. Uh, whenever you guys talk to Coach, you guys ask him that question, he'll answer it. <laughs> Georgie, what's it like going up against Kofi every day in practice? Great player. I mean, what is it like? That's uh, another question. What is it like to go against Jacob every day in practice? You know, it's uh, all of our guys are very, very tough guys. I don't want to single out anybody because every single guy on our team works really, really, really hard, has a really tough mentality when they get on the court. So I'm not just going against Kofi every day in practice. I'm going against all the guys. I'm going against uh, Jake. I'm going against Ayo. I'm going against Ben, whoever it is. I'm going against uh, – it's very tough. Well, against every single guy, it's very tough to go against because everybody's just so hungry and gritty and everybody plays defense on our team. And uh, it's just tough against every single one of them. You've got great depth, though. You've got a lot of numbers there. And who knows what's going to happen with – with the uh, the virus and people that might get sick or whatever, but uh, you've got uh, a solid rotation and some pretty uh, steady-looking guys to come in and, and take minutes there. It looks like there'll be minutes for a lot of guys. And as we know, um, this virus is a crazy thing, and is uh, God forbid, but if somebody you know tests positive, they have to sit out over, I believe, the 21 days. If I'm correct, I don't know. Uh, and uh, that's a lot of time. And then 21 days, you can have four, five, six games, maybe more, maybe less. Um, and um, obviously, even without that, you know, without the coronavirus, we still have uh, so many guys that can put up so many minutes and points and rebounds and everything. So, as you mentioned, we have great, great depth. And um, hopefully we'll be able to use the whole entire depth of the team because that's how you're going to win the most games. Georgie, talk about your classes. Where are you in terms of graduation? How many classes are you taking, and how many are you act, are taking it at home? Uh, currently, I'm taking four classes, uh, all at home. I could attend one of my classes and co could go to the class, but also it's not mandatory to do that. So uh, I'm doing as best as I can that I stay outside of putting myself at risk for the virus. So uh, I do not go into that class. I just attend it online. And all the four of my classes, I'm in a communications major. Three of my classes are in communications. And uh, one, I got one CHLH class. And um, I'm a junior, obviously. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best student because I can talk. And uh, this, you guys know I love to talk. Uh, and um, that's great. But then when it comes down to writing papers and just writing stuff, I struggle. Uh, but obviously I have great help here at the university, and they help me out in a different way. Yeah, it's going pretty smooth, I would say. How do you see uh, – Steve mentioned that practices really start in full swing Wednesday. Do you expect to be – have your whole team together, or are you still going to be working in groups? I'm, I 
definitely expect the whole team to be together. You know, that's what the practice is about. Uh, okay. Everybody come together with um, obviously different lineups, lineups, different um, matchups, whatever. But uh, I definitely expect the whole entire group to be in practice. Georgie Bashanasvili, always good to talk to you, and we'll let you get back to what you're doing there, and uh, look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, we'll bump into each other sometime soon. Thank you. You guys have an amazing weekend. I encourage you guys to get outside because the weather has been amazing this October and especially right now. So I encourage everybody to be outside a little bit more. Yeah, we need um, to get outside because it ain't going to be like this forever, is it? <laughs> Most definitely not. Thanks, Georgie. Thanks, Appreciate Georgie. it. And you might see Georgie uh, jogging around town or riding his bicycle. He's a guy that gets out quite a bit. He also uh, mentioned uh, – in another conversation that uh, he gets tested like every other day yep. and uh, for the uh, virus, and they get those results in a matter of four or five hours yep. after the test. So that is an ongoing situation, one that will continue for a while. Yeah, the, the whole team gets every other day. But when you look at that roster, man, there's some some, some potential some- depth there, I'll tell There's you. some battles going on for starting positions, I'll tell you that. I, I hear that Miller might might wind up being a star of the freshman. And and he's, he's a left-hander. He's a really good shooter, really good shooter. And Steve uh, is never seems to be brought up very often. But um, this team didn't shoot well last year. I mean, Frazier didn't shoot well. Georgie didn't shoot well. Io did, uh, shot 29% from right. three. This is not a, has not been a really good shooting team. It's a good team that doesn't have a perimeter shooting at the level that they should have, and Miller gives you that. Uh, he's just one guy. And then we've got to see where Granderson fits in. Sounds like uh, Jacob Granderson is, is, a, is a guy that's going to be playing a lot at the four, um, he and Georgie. And I think what's going to happen with Georgie is that he'll just back up both positions, don't you think? I see him coming in at center. I see him coming in at the four, maybe. Yeah, the best uh, three-point shooter last year was Trent Frazier at 31%. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's not up to the level of the top teams in the country. No. He was um, 51 out of 165, so he took the most three-pointers and made 31%. As you mentioned, Io just under 30%, 29.6% yep. Yep. on the three-point ball. So, and then there's a guy that I'm fascinated with, and I haven't seen him uh, in practice yet, but uh, I, I just like the way uh, it sounds, the way he plays the game is Andre Corbello, and I, I think you're going to see a lot of him with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I. the, the thing about it is when, when Io decided to come back, Io must realize as he looks forward to his pro career after this year probably is that he may be uh, due to size and that he might be uh, best in the NBA as a point guard. I mean, I don't know that he fits that or not. We're going to find that out. This He's going to start out as a point guard for Illinois this season, as is Corbello's. You could have two point guards. That'd be a terrible situation. It'd be like having D and Darren in well, there. You could have same. three. Can you do that? <laughs> Frazier could play the point a little bit too. You know? I know it. So I know it. You can't have too many. Hey, passing is really important in basketball, and it's important on this team. And uh, so I could see Corbello and, and Io playing at the same time, and I'm sure they will. Uh, whether they start is another question. I don't know that. But if Miller starts, I don't know if there'll be room for Corbello. But Corbello's going to have a a great career here. He's an excellent player. 
and it's just a question of how quickly you want to throw a fresh one into the starting lineup. Well, D and Darren and even Luther, you know, just get the ball into one of those guys and uh, they'll get the offense started for you. Phone line is open. Need to take a quick break. We'll do that. But if you'd like to uh, join us, we've got a little bit of an open segment until 10. We'll talk some women's basketball at that time. Back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11. Open line right now, 356-9397. You'd like to join us? We got some guys on hold. Let's start with Howard in Champaign. Go ahead, Howard. You're on the air. Uh, Steve, talking about guards. Uh, you know, Self always used to say you never have enough guards. Well, I think that's right. I mean, they, they, I think they've got enough this year, and they're they're going to be coming off the bench with Williams and and Curbelo and and maybe Hutcherson too. Yeah, I see Hutchison out having uh, some of my breakfast spots in the morning. I know he loves pancakes. Does he? <laughs> we were talking one day. He said, "He said I just love it here in this town." He said, "Everybody's so basketball crazy." He said, "I'm so glad I'm here." Well, I I think uh, he gives you the one thing that we talked about. He gives you shooting. He's a dead eye shooter. Yeah, he said he came in with Granderson at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that scouting report on his. Uh, Taste for pancakes. That's good to know, Howard. We appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I run into him quite a bit, so I try to leave him alone because I'm, I'm kind of a basketball junkie myself. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Bob in Urbana. Good morning, Bob. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, <clears throat> talking about point guard, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, last year my daughter was able to get me tickets for the Illinois-Michigan State game in East Lansing. Uh, she lives up there with her husband and my grandson. And in that particular game, uh, Io was at point, and he had 14 points in the first half. And he, I was sitting at high-low on the basketball court, and he was shredding Michigan State's defense. We lost that game by 20 points, and after they made the change and put uh, Trent at the uh, point, we got better as a team. So think about distributing from the point, and I.O. went to the second guard spot, and sure enough, that was what changed the season. Well, nobody distributes like Curbelo. That's what we know. Curbelo is going to be a great player for Illinois, and just how soon he cracks that starting lineup, I don't know, but they've got, they've got two of the top guards that they've, that they've been able to recruit in recent years, and that's Corbello and, and uh, Miller. Miller. Yeah, that, That's a good point. Good observation, Bob. But although Io still had the ball in his hands plenty of, uh, plenty of times oh, last year. Oh, he's going to have the ball a lot, <laughs> you know, and particularly in, in the open court. <laughs> they just look for him in the open court. He's murder on the, on the drive. Uh, one other point. <clears throat> last night watching Kendrick Nunn, who's a left-hander, and I think Miller is a left-hander, as I believe. Kendrick Nunn has made a, a miraculous uh, – entrance into the NBA to be in the finals and make that many points, 14 points, I think, last night. So he had that skill, but he had the determination after he left here to go on and, and still compete and try to get to the NBA, and sure enough, he's there. So just, I, I think that's a, and think about it, the, the guys that are playing in the NBA now, he and, and My, uh, Myers, 
are on a championship team if they win this thing in the next couple of days. So that's kind of a big deal. It no, is. Thank you. Yeah, Bob, mm-hmm. thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Nice comeback story on Kendrick Nunn. Had some difficulties here, and I think it was best for everybody that he uh, go somewhere else. He went up to Michigan, played at Oakland, and now is getting a shot. Yeah, he fought his way through the mm-hmm. G League and, and all the way to the top. Eric in Champaign is with us. Hey, Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Got to give you guys a lot of credit. You've been doing shows all year. We haven't had a single sporting event since, what, the end of February? <laughs> it was early March there? Yeah, it was mid-March, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been amazing. But uh, uh, back to football. I, I know the answer to this, but Lauren or Steve, can you tell me the last time Illinois won at Wisconsin? I don't know. When was it? I haven't looked it up. John Butcher, 2002, Ron Turner. Is Turner's that right? Team. Yep. yep <laughs> I was looking at it myself. I was there. You were there, Lauren. And we, although over the years, it kind of, the games kind of <laughs> blend in. I know I was there, but I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I remember every play of the game, but that's, that, you are right. Good point. And then, not an easy place to win, but you know, I was listening yesterday. They had Cassie Arner on, and she said that uh, they're not even playing to have the band or anything at the stadium. It's going to be uh, like a spring football game with the atmosphere of these games. Oh, it's going to be uh, worse. There's not even going to be any fans. But they, we, yeah, we're I'm, still allowing uh, for the Purdue game as as a, as far as I know right now we're allowing parents to come in, but that's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll be pumping some noise, and I'm sure, but still, that'll be a, it'll be a pretty drab uh, atmosphere. Yeah, and the overall. activity on the sideline will be. I mean, there won't be as many people down there. The cheerleaders, I'm not sure about them. I doubt that they'll be there either, and no reporters on the field, no local um, video. Uh, being shot from from the field anyway, field level. So there, there's a lot of things that are in place and that will be different in uh, this football season for sure. Sure. And and one last thing I wanted to mention, you know, e- even thinking about next year, um, I was reading where the Cubs aren't even expecting, at least for the start of the season, to even have fans in the stands. I, I know it's getting ahead of things a little bit. We're not done with this year yet, but it doesn't seem any end in sight to this uh, as far as, you know, how's the NBA and NHL going to start a new season, all this kind of stuff. So, I know it's thinking ahead, but I'm just I'm I'm just curious. If there's any well, I am too, and I, you know I was watching TV. Uh, I think yesterday or the day before, and somebody got on and said, "Well, this winter is going to be worse than ever." So mm-hmm. I, oh, you mean weather wise? No, I mean oh. virus wise. Once we move inside, well, uh, that's right. Then you throw some bad weather in there too. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you you kind of expect that. This we didn't expect all this, and we don't know how long I it's going to last. Got my flu shot this week, though. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good there too. Hey, Eric, thanks for the call. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Hey, Marty, what's going on down at Pinehurst this morning? Never enough, Steve. It's a little drizzly and rainy today as the hurricane starts to move towards us, the remnants anyway. Hey, uh, morning, Lauren. Morning. Um, I want to apologize, Steve, for not monopolizing Tom Ackerman last week, but I get going on baseball. It's hard to control me. No problem. Um, I coached a lot of basketball and baseball guys, and I, I love the fact that fans and everyone wants to talk about who's in the starting lineup, but I care about who finishes the game, not who starts the game. Yeah, good point. So they got they got plenty of guys that can play, and this is a coach's dream. It's, it's harder on him to make decisions on who's playing when, what, and what minutes, but he loves that. Because there's going to be some stuff in practice. It's going to be it's going to be tough practices because these guys are fighting for playing time. Uh, by the way, uh, not that I that I'd ever do, and I told you so. But if you noticed who's been uh, doing a lot of hitting with uh, Tampa Bay, and of, of course, yes, 
and you know the Cardinals couldn't use a guy, you know, that makes contact, gets on base, has a little pop, plays good defense, and runs the base as well. They couldn't use that kind of guy. You got to get rid of him. You know. Yeah, I, I get that, Marty. I also know that if they would have kept him and traded Tyler O'Neill, and Tyler O'Neill was doing what he's doing, you'd be singing the no. same story. So. No, I wouldn't. It's always I, it's always know. it's always easy to be uh, to wish what you don't it have. Is. But I'm a man of my opinions, and I formed them long ago on a Rose Arena. And uh, because I saw what O'Neill and Bader, they, they don't get enough on base for me. Rose Arena's whole history has been good on base man, good contact man. I don't like this three outcomes baseball. And Lauren might, but I don't. I'm sorry, you don't, uh, you don't like what now? Three outcomes baseball, walk, strikeout, or homer. Oh, like Okay. I hate that. I like I like people putting the ball in play, running the bases. I'd rather see a triple than a bunch of home runs. I I like that kind of baseball. Anyway, yeah. you guys have a great show today. Good lineup, good guests. Make it a great one up there in the Northland. Thanks, right, Marty. Thank we you. appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Marty would love the uh, Atlanta Braves then the way they play the game. They don't <laughs> they don't let many uh, strikes go by. They they're swinging right from the get go. Yeah, I. I think what you've got, you got you got some contact teams that have that make contact, and I think Houston's another one mm-hmm. that does that. And it's, it's going to now that we're reaching this point, it's it's like a regular baseball playoffs. That first round of three games and sixteen teams was different. It was different, no doubt about <laughs> it. The whole scenario is different, but now we're getting down to it. And you're a baseball guy, so I know you're going to watch baseball. Yeah, no matter if it's played out in the cow pasture somewhere but uh that's probably it, right it still doesn't feel quite right does it watching oh no it's 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 a kind of offbeat season but uh you know and and, and the, i had hopes for the white Sox this year i didn't have a lot of hopes for the cardinals but i did have hopes for the white Sox. i'm disappointed that they uh, were unable to continue but that would have made it more fun for me at least let's squeeze in one more call here before the uh, <coughs> top of the hour let's uh say hello to anderson is that right good morning anderson Yes, it is. Um, hello, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. I just had a quick recruiting question. I know uh, we're in the hunt for Bryce Hopkins after a couple of uh, uh, losses at the wing position. Uh, what? How is that looking? How is the recruiting looking, uh, Lauren? Well, uh, we are hearing that Illinois is in good shape for Hopkins. He did decommitted from Louisville. And he's apparently not uh, no longer on Kentucky's radar, we think. So there are still several other schools involved, but there is word out. Or there's, there's rumors out that Illinois is in good shape on Hopkins, but we've seen this before. We just uh, right. just a month ago, we thought Illinois was going to land a player out of St. Louis, and didn't happen. So um, exactly. You know, and, and, and sometimes players make commitments, which I think he did. This player, this particular player did, but they don't all, you know, maybe they make commitments to more than one school. For, and uh, Anderson, right. coming up at uh, 1030, Kedrick Prince is going to join us from Rivals.com. He follows the recruiting a little bit uh, closer, so he might have some information on that if you'd like to, to keep listening. We'll sir Definitely. ask him. Thanks, guys. You mm-hmm. bet. Thanks for the call. Anderson calling from Peru, Indiana this morning. 10.01 WDWS. Champaign-Urbana, hour number one in the books. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk comes up after this. 
It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. We're moving on towards 11 o'clock on Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk. 62 degrees, partly cloudy here on this October 10th. Talk some football and basketball in the uh, first hour of the show, some baseball too. We're going to continue our basketball theme here to start the uh, second hour of the show. Illini women's coach Nancy Fay joins us on the telephone. Good morning, coach. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? This Good. Nancy heading into year number four at the Illini Helm, a Hall of Fame coach, 737 career victories, 767 career victories, I'm sorry. Nancy, back when you were in school thinking about getting into the coaching business, did anybody say, now, if you run into a pandemic, (laughs) here's how things are going to work? I think I know the answer to that, but uh, certainly an unusual 2020 so far. It it is, but, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm really proud of is how the University of Illinois and especially you know, Josh Whitman's leadership um, in handling the pandemic and how we've been keeping our athletes safe has been outstanding. So, you know, it's not a good situation, but we're with good people doing some great things. So you'll be, uh, I know you've had some workouts with uh, your team, but uh, practice starts officially next Wednesday. You've got a lot of new faces, not only on the court, but uh, in the coaching box as well. Yeah, we did make some changes over the, 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 the break, break of the season. Uh, I'm really excited. We brought two great coaches in, Scott Merritt and Burnett Skeet. Uh, they have such a winning tradition. And more importantly, they've, they've been part of rebuilds in, in, in programs that both at Marquette and in Miami. Um, great skill development coaches, great character. It's, it's really exciting to have them on board. And they've had immediate impact. Yeah, and again, yeah, we have six new players, so you, you got to, you know, have your roster when you come to a game or, or actually watch a game. <laughs> right. Perhaps. Well, Nancy, this is Lauren. Can you tell us anything about the schedule? I mean, what are you uh, planning right now? Are you going to start on November 25th? Our plan is to start on November 25th. Um, you know, there's a lot of that goes into um, a bit reorganizing, uh, planning how many Big Ten games and then fulfilling your non-conference schedule to make it competitive and safe. Um, and so right now we know, you know we're starting the 25th. We're piecing it together. There's a, a lot of pieces you want to get settled before, you know, you announce it. But it, it's coming, and, and it's exciting, and it's nice to be able to tell the kids, hey, we're playing on the 25th. Do you know how many Big Ten games you're actually going to play? Uh, we're getting close to that. Um, I think it's, it's still final votes have to come out, but uh, – you know, we know it's going to be intense. We know the Big Ten's going to be really competitive, and I'm guessing more than what we've had in the past. So, something in the neighborhood of 20 games, somewhere around there? I, I would guess somewhere. You know, it, it could be. Um, like I said, we got to get final, you know, votes on this to make sure um, everybody is on the same page. So, yeah, you know, it's whether we play 18 or more, we're ready to go. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the team, and I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have four transfers and three freshmen coming in, and you've lost uh, Holosinka and Andrews and Beasley. You've got some people to replace. How does that stack up? Well, you know, what we always try to say, we don't necessarily try to uh, bring in the same type of players or replace players in that respect. We try to get players in 
um, that uh, kind of look what we're um, not replacing, but just kind of changing and letting them be play to their strength. Let's put it that way. Um, we're excited about our three freshmen. Um, I think we've brought some junior college transfers in also. Uh, you know, Eva Rubin from uh, Arizona State, 6'5". One of the things that we just really needed is some depth in our post spot. And, and then last year I kept walking out. We had we were injury plagued at the five spot. I used to, I remember walking down the, sh you know, coming out for games that I have a six five, six three, and a six two standing next to me. Um, so we really had to do a lot of unnecessary, not necess necessary scheming in a tough situation. Um, but bringing bringing Eva Eva into the mix, um, Gio Lopez, uh, junior college player from Brazil, six three. Um, so you know our freshman Eric Porter, six two. So. There's a lot more, like when we break up in guards and posts, we actually look down and there's six posts down there working, and our four players will be able to play their, their positions they, instead of playing out of position like they did last year. Uh, Arizona State, I believe, was a top-20 team or so. Uh, how much did Ruben actually play for them? Was she, was she coming off the bench for them? She's coming off the bench, and she had some you know, injury stuff that did occur. But, you know, watching her play, she came last, second semester for us. Man, um, just having six five and she runs the court so well, moves. I mean, just the presence where you have to guard inside out, uh, it, it just makes us a much different team. So we're really excited. And the one thing she brings is, like you said, it's a, it's a top program in the country. Winning attitude, knows what it takes to win. Uh, the energy in the gym has just been real exciting. Visiting with Nancy Faye, the Illini women's basketball coach. Kennedy Miles had an outstanding uh, freshman year with almost 13 points and uh, nine rebounds a ball game. Talk about uh, her season and how maybe she is developing into uh, year number two. You know, the one thing Kennedy had to do last year, she had to play a lot of mismatches inside. She just got so many hustle points. You know, you, her energy um, defensively created a lot. But the tough thing for her is she was always going up, to, uh, always against at the low post bigger kids. Now we got her at the four. Um, she can face up. She still has that skill set. Uh, you know, we could actually play her at the 3-4 right now. Uh, she's really worked on her perimeter game. Um, but, you know, the, the big thing about Kennedy is just how big her heart is and how hard she plays. And that, you know, you want to say you coach that? You know, some, some kids just have it. She's one of them. She, she's just a natural, it looks to me like. She, she's such a, she gets rebounds when you don't know how. Where, where'd she come from? I mean, she just has that knack, doesn't she? She's a knack to find the ball. Yeah, and that's that like I said, you know, you talk offensive boards, you know, we know that's gonna be a big part of our game, but that instinct that, that hustle to the ball is extremely special and uh yeah, I, I, I think that's gonna be a big component. We have to we have to be a better rebounding team, we know that. Um we also have to be a better defensive transition team and you know, we're just you know, the flow of the what we're doing right now, Kitty's impact it's important to us, especially she got so many minutes. I mean, freshmen turning into sophomores, and I had three freshmen that played a lot, a lot of minutes in the Big Ten. Uh, so it, it's going to be helping us experience-wise. Talk uh, what you remember about uh, her recruitment. She came from Cincinnati. Uh, what uh, do you feel drew her to uh, your program in the U of I? You know, I, I think if I could bottle this and, and get it paid, they, the kids will just you go through the recruiting process, go through the recruiting process, and they'll, it's fit. they'll say fit. But the one thing unique about Kennedy, and actually we've talked about this in the recruiting process, she goes, Coach, you got to find people that want to make a difference and want to change this. You know, some, you know, some people want to go where it's already done. You know, okay, I just want to be part of something that's already built. She goes, I want to be the foundation. I want to be one of the group that, that changes and where Illinois women's basketball is heading. 
And I honestly took that as a great piece of advice. And I asked that, you know, you want to be part of something special. You want to be part of something that, that is hard. You know, it's hard to get going. But, boy, when, I, know, I know one thing. I'm never going to forget it. I know Illini Nation won't forget it. Uh, Coach, tell us about the point guard situation. Who, who do you see leading the team from the point this year? Uh, right now, I, got, I think i got two kids that do a really good job of, uh, you know, being a quarterback, and that's Janiya Ephraim and Janae Terry. Um, Janiya played behind Brandy a little bit last year, but got a lot of good experience. Uh, she's really worked on her game. Uh, you know, one thing she does is she's so vocal, uh, you know, great vocal point guard, commands the court, um, really steady. You can you can just see she, she, you know, when she takes blows right now in the sense of, let's say, you, you know, there's a run in practice, she'll bounce back, get the team back together. Um, and I'm really, really proud of her, her quarterbacking. Uh, and Janae Terry, you know, she's a big point guard, 5'11", uh, really strong. I think the one thing she's just – is getting the when, – when, when to take the ball to the basket, when to, you know, hey, we need to move the ball and make five more passes or two more passes or get that ball moving and get, get great action. Um, they're a little bit different than each other, and at times they'll play together. I don't think it's like one's not going to be on the court without the other, so I think we'll have kids that can push the ball, uh, not just have one kid. So I'm really excited for those two. Looks like you've, uh, you're getting a potential pipeline. Maybe that's an overstatement uh, to a, a bit, but uh, well, a Michigan, state of Michigan connection there. We, we have a lot of great players coming out of state of Michigan. Uh, Tiana Kirkland, one of my assistants, is from Michigan. We had a lot of great connections, so when we got here, uh, she did a great job of you know, reconnecting. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited about her. Like you said, Michigan has been, has been, they've been happy to come here, and uh, we're excited for them. Uh, we're building this in a lot of different ways, but we're certainly going to build it with character players. What kind of challenges have been there for you in trying to keep uh, the players focused in all the uncertainty of the last five or six months? You know, I think the challenge is, is like everybody feels. It's like, you know, you, know can you, you can go to the store and, and then what? And so they go to the gym. Opening up the gym for them has been really, really helpful. I think the key is once you get in the gym, it turns into it, – it, 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 to me, it's like you just forget about everything. It's, it's our kind of a home away from home right now. It's a comfort. You start getting – get to feel a sense of normalcy when you're on the court because uh, we're still practicing. We're still doing the same thing. I think the thing, though, like one couple Saturdays ago – in fact, last Saturday we got together and, you know, we played minute-to-win-it games, you know, because their entertainment right now is just it, – it's each other. Create – environments where we could still have you know we work hard but i have some fun sometimes and i think fun is playing practicing but just to change the environment give them a chance to enjoy some other things um and being safe at the same time so there has been challenges but you know i think we're starting we're starting to get into kind of a understanding and rhythm of how this how this life is right now and i've been extremely proud of how they handled it are most of the players taking classes online? Mm-hmm. Most are. Yeah, right now they're online. Um, I think if you talk to a lot of young people, whether it's high school or grade school or in college, you know, it, it's uh, the new way to be educated. Um, it's sometimes it's tough. Um, when you, as we all know, if you've had a Zoom day, I think we've probably all had a Zoom day, um, you know, get up, get away from the computer. Uh, you, know, we have, you know, we have engineers and and. I know one that's been is really locked in, does a great job, but they're all working online right now and, and adapting well. 
I want to throw one at you here. Uh, Taylor Edwards was a four-year pitcher for the softball team and a good one. Came out for basketball last year and, and was on your team. And now she's the head coach at Arcola, I think. Is that right? Yep. Uh, uh, right. What's your reaction to that? She's going into basketball. Oh, you know, she she told me when she she actually said that she goes, Coach, I, I never knew what that one year might do for to, for me in my career and where I might be headed. And when she told me she got the job, boy, boy they got a great great play, great great potential coach. Let's just leave it at that because she was such an impact on our locker room and her energy in practice that it makes sense she'd be a great great coach. Um, I'm excited for her, and she's someone that always inherently pushes herself. So how she pushed herself on the softball field, how she pushed herself on the basketball court, um, that's just gonna, that's one of the main ingredients. If you want to learn, you want to be a sponge, you want to get better uh, as a coach, I know she'll do it. Uh, she's got a great tool set, um, great leader. And that's what Arcola got was a great leader. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go here, but I want you to do me a favor. Will you do me a favor? <laughs> uh, you say, say hello uh, to Diana Pasley for me, that's all. <laughs> I will do that. I, I appreciate that. I'll pass that along. All right. Hey, Nancy, we appreciate we appreciate uh, your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing that schedule when uh, it comes out, and hopefully that'll be soon. I, I hope it'll be soon. So, so thanks. You guys have a great rest of the day. You too. Thank you, Nancy Fay, with us, Bye-bye. the Illinois women's basketball coach. Ten seventeen is the time. We'll take a time out and be back with more. Got a little open line segment from now until the bottom of the hour. 356-9397 is the number. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. Moving up on 1020. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. By the way, if you've uh, been thinking about replacing the doors in your home, you're probably aware that uh, the patio doors are very important, as is the entry door, obviously. And a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive could help clear up what might be an overwhelming situation for you when you start to think about replacing those doors. Mike Mary and uh, the team at Illini Pella have been fixtures in this community for going on 50 years now. And they'll tell you right out of the bat, uh, right out of the gate, there are many choices in windows and doors. And the Pella Window Store has a whole bunch of different patio doors on display in their showroom. They'll not only help you decide what's best for your particular situation, they'll stand behind them with a limited lifetime warranty. Illini Pella offers a one-stop shopping. You'll see the products. You'll talk about installation and financing as well. Window and door shopping is not something you do every day, so you want to make sure you do it right. That includes doing your research, setting your budget, and then uh, work with the pros at the Pella Window Store before you uh, get that job done, and then you can show off your new windows and doors to family and friends. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. They're back uh, in uh, normal operations there. They can uh, see you on Saturday by appointment if that works out better for you. They also have stores in Danville, Decatur, and Bloomington. Check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. That's PellaOfChampagne.com. For the Pello Window Store, you know, before uh, we leave um, Nancy Fay, uh, the one thing we couldn't really talk about is recruiting for next year. But they're they are having a very very I think they're full, and they're having a very good uh, 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 upbeat season in terms of recruiting. And I think that it's a, a quality of player 
that is better than than what we've uh, seen here in the past. Uh, as you know, they only won two Big Ten games last year, against one against Minnesota and one against Penn State. So they've got a long way to go, and they should be a little better next uh, this coming year. And by the way, that Miles gal can play. But um, I think that uh, the recruiting is, is really going to take shape. I mean, it'll be most noticeable a year from now. They won nine non-conference games last year, then hit the Big Ten schedule, and that's where the the weakness of defending the post yeah. really comes to light when you yeah. get into league play. There's there's some yeah. pretty good post people. In. No question. And they had a pretty good uh, player there the, the year before this who was winning her. She was a good good scorer. But, um, again, you need you need depth in the post, and you need to be able to, to, to play defense better than they played. We're going to talk some uh, more basketball recruiting with uh, Kedrick Prince coming up in seven or eight minutes. He's with Rivals.com, lives over – in uh, the Quad Cities area, so we'll talk to him about the Illinois-Iowa rivalry on the basketball court and how fun that might be when you <laughs> we start thinking about those games with uh, a couple of battles last year and no love lost there. That's what I like about that rivalry. Yeah, and, and some people are picking Iowa ahead of Illinois. You mm-hmm. know, some yeah. people and the Cats is picking Illinois ahead of Iowa, but there are plenty of people that that think Iowa will be a stronger team than Illinois this year. There's several good reasons for that. <laughs> They've got some really good players. They really do. And Andy Katz had uh, another one of his uh, preseason lists of na- possible national player of the year uh, players. He had Luca Garza first and Io second. Yeah, yeah. In his top ten of potential candidates to uh, maybe have the kind of season that would win national player of the year. So that's pretty exciting. And, uh, yeah, we've got football to go through first, or at least – Part of the football season, which begins two weeks from today, yeah, for Big Ten teams. I think I was interested. We talked to uh, Bellamy today about the running backs, and and I, I'm not concerned about the running backs as much as I am about them having uh, holes to go through. I if if the offensive line can provide the the openings, I think that Epstein and and I think that we're going to like Norwood. I, I'm hearing good things about Norwood from practice. And that uh, it sounds like they want to give him a shot. He is quick, and he, he's got some of the same qualities that uh, you know the, the, the breakaway qualities that you want to have in a running back. And Epstein does too, but Epstein's got to prove himself from a, from an injury standpoint. I mean, he's been hurt every year. And as we've known, and fans that have followed Illinois football and Big Ten football, you need to be able to run the. The football yes, in uh, Big Ten play. You and think Wisconsin's going to try to run it? <laughs> you know what? Somebody said, how are they going to replace Jonathan Taylor? I said, well, next guy up. But next we didn't know up. anything about Jonathan Taylor four years ago either. Now he's playing for the Colts on Sunday and yeah. and looking pretty good. They've always got, got Melvin Gordon, all those guys that they've had at that running back position over the years. That doesn't scare me near as much as those five blockers that they <laughs> throw up there in front. And they got three new ones. So they got three new people in that front line, and they lost their start All-American center. So they shouldn't be quite as good. Really, you're catching Wisconsin at the ideal time. They were slow getting started in terms of preparation because of the virus, and they've, uh, you know, they've had to replace, as I said, three of the linemen and and a, and a new running back, and now they got to have a quarterback. So this offensively. They're fairly uh, – they've got a lot of new players, whereas Illinois has got almost everybody back except the running back. So with that said, right now, who's the favorite in the Big Ten West? Would that lean it towards Minnesota? Yes. 
would in would, my mind. I think it would. Otherwise, but, but I, I think, think it might. That, but, Steve, I don't think that Minnesota is that much better than Iowa or Wisconsin I or agree. Illinois. I mean, I think it's, a, it's just a pretty much of a toss-up. You might say, well, one Minnesota might be a four-point favorite over Wisconsin or something. I, it might depend on where the game was played, except this year there are no fans. How does that change where a game is played? Does that make it uh, – I, I mean, if a team was going to be – a seven-point favorite, if the fans were there, would that make them a three-point favorite without fans? I don't know. How, how, how much does that change the odds? I don't know. That's, the spread. That's a Las Vegas question. I don't know anybody in Vegas to, to ask that question, but uh, <laughs> um, you're right. The home field advantage, as far as the, the actual game day atmosphere, will not be there. Still, the team has to go on the road, has to stay in a hotel, has to go through other things to get there. There's so, a travel, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, there's still an advantage. I, I can't wait to see how Illinois does in these first three games. I mean, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, I mean, uh, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Minnesota, That's those are all good challenges. You can win all three or lose all three. And Purdue's feeling better about themselves with yeah. uh, Rondale Moore, Moore yeah. coming back. And uh, uh, Tom Deanhart was writing this week about uh, their offensive line and how he thought that might be improved. And, of course, everybody's excited, optimistic. and Sure. The thing you don't have, though, is those three non-conference games. Everybody's in the same boat, so you yeah. you don't have a disadvantage because you don't play them yourselves. But in most cases, Big Ten teams win those non-conference games, and they've got a little bit of an idea how they're going to be going into conference play. And in this scenario, you start right out in the conference play, and it's two weeks from today. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the thing that I will be most interested from my standpoint in watching the game will be when our defensive line goes up against their offensive line, can Illinois stop them from just dominating the ground game? You have to do that, and Illinois' defensive line is unproven because it's new. We lost four players. You lose three graduates and, and Oladipo, who was a good player. So they've got – and, you know, Milan was an especially good player. So they've lost four their, – their top four, I would say, vers- four of their top five – defensive lineman. Woods is a good player, and they got this uh, Perry, uh, I believe he's from South Carolina State, mm-hmm. who's transferred in, who's very good, 300-pounder defender. So they, they, Illinois is okay, I think, in the first two position, uh, two position, the first two defensive tackles uh, that will be playing, but I don't know about their depth, and you need depth in the defensive line to play. You, you can't play with just two tackles. You've got to have t- a couple more guys come through, and Need Pate to come through. Need some. We need some of the guys off that bench to to be able to hold up because if, if Wisconsin can run the ball, that's all they'll do. They'll just run and run and run at you. And Lovey Smith said this week, yesterday, I think it was that uh, he knows that uh, the Wisconsin quarterback is likely to miss this game, and he knows that Jonathan Taylor is going uh, has gone. But he's also smart enough to know that we're preparing for a system, yep. the way that Paul Chris runs things there, and uh, they'll continue to do the things that they do, oh, and yeah. that's trying to run it right down your throat. You don't change success. And you and I have talked about this uh, more than once, but uh, they, they kind of went away from what they normally do in that game here last year, late in the game, when they put the ball in the air. and instead well, of Steve, they had so much success thrown to the tight end. They did. And, and, and it worked every time, and he was wide open, so they tried one more time, and he wasn't open. Right. And we intercepted and, and uh, turned the game around. That turnovers saved the Illini last year, and it was a six-six season that wound up six-seven when they lost to Cal. So it wasn't a great season, but it was a much better season because uh, uh, essentially because they did so well on turnovers. 
can they do that again? Is that a one-year thing? Or I mean, I know that Lovey emphasized it, but you just because you emphasize doesn't mean that you're always going to get the turnovers. 10.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a timeout and be back with the final 30 minutes of today's edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Ten thirty-two, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve, and Kelly with you until eleven o'clock. Phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven is the number. We say good morning to our friend Kedrick Prince. Good morning, Kedrick. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. We're going to talk some basketball. We've done that off and on all morning long, getting excited for football season, but also excited for basketball, which will come just a couple of weeks after the start of football season. So it's a fun time, no doubt, but a lot of high hopes for the Illini, a lot of preseason top 10 rankings. How do you size this Illinois team up, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country as you look at the upcoming season? Well, I like the Big Ten in general. I mean, if you look at, I mean, every year people who cover the Big Ten, which we we do, um, we always talk about how good the Big Ten is going to be or how bad it's going to be. If you really look at the conference this year, it's not what they call coaches speak. You got a team like Wisconsin to return virtually everybody. Iowa returns virtually everybody. Illinois returns virtually everybody. You know, you just you're going to have a very very good conference, and you potentially, in my opinion, you have three or four teams, or even Michigan State, you can throw in there at the bottom of the of the top ten, that could be all top ten teams, and that's just not good for Big Ten basketball, but just nationally, and it's got to help with recruiting, because you got four really good teams that I think personally that can make the final eight or final four depending upon matchups and what brackets they get put in. Speaking of matchups, I would think the, uh, and we don't get a chance to see this very often, but I, I would think the matchups every day in practice for Brad Underwood and his staff would be fascinating to watch with uh, the depth that they've got. Yeah, I remember coming down last fall and I had a chance to talk to Coach Underwood, and one of the things he talked about was building a program like the other top-tier teams in the country. And in order to do that, you have to be able to bring kids in. And if you can get those kids that you think can be able to redshirt, develop those kids and make those kids by the time they're juniors, they're first and second team all Big Ten players. And if you look at the depth on the roster right now, you can clearly see that they're building that. And the whole key to this is just to continue to recruit. You have to recruit kids that can come in who can play immediately and make an impact but you also have to recruit kids that you can say hey you know what this kid can help us in a year or two or or three down the line and be effective you don't want to just continue to recruit kids I think and then one year they're gone I think they're past that I really think they've got themselves in a position where they can recruit some of the top players in the country they've proven that they can win kids can see what they've you know, gonna you know when they if they commit to Illinois or if they're interested in Illinois, they know what they're gonna get now because you can see the games. When he first became there four years ago, that was a hard sell. You just had to sell by what you did at Oklahoma, what he did at Oklahoma State. Now the players can see what he did at Illinois and how he's turned them around. Uh, Kedrick, this is Lauren. Uh, as we look uh, the last couple of weeks, months. Illinois has seen some uh, pretty good recruits slip away. I'd like to ask you about Bryce Hopkins now. He decommitted from Louisville. 
He's coming down to the wire. Maybe maybe Kentucky's not into it as, as close as we thought. How do you think Illinois stacks up with Bryce Hopkins of Fenwick? Today is Saturday. Um, if you, uh, October 10th, if you would have asked me Wednesday, I would have said it was probably 60-40, probably Kentucky. I really would have. But today, I think it's probably 80-20 Illinois. I think Illinois put themselves in a good situation. For everything that I've heard and the people that I've talked to, um, they put themselves in a great situation to land them one of the top two kids in the state of Illinois in the class of 21. Um, he's an Illinois product. And he originally, like you said, he committed to Louisville. Uh, but they put themselves in a good situation. The hard thing is, Lauren and Steve, is that when you recruit these kids, they will tell you they're coming. You know, um, I know you're asking about Bryce, but if you would have asked me to bet my house, I would have told you Jordan Nesbitt was coming to Illinois, too. <laughs> right. So that happens, and, and it really and truly does. But when you go up against the, the Kentuckys of the world and Louisville's of the world and Duke and Kansas, North Carolina, those things are going to happen. But right now, they put themselves in a good situation. I think the dad, I mean, I've seen comments where the dad, is really, he really liked what Illinois has done. They would have went to the tournament last year. COVID, you know, you know, messed up a lot of things for a lot of teams. You know, you got a lot of homegrown talent. You, you know, you can look at Iowa and Adam Miller. That is a huge selling point, and then they can recruit nationally. So I think the dad really, really liked it, and I know he, you know the family's really close. I think they put themselves in a good situation to where next week when he's supposed to commit, you know, to a school, I think Illinois has just as good a chance of not. I don't want to say it's a lock because that's not fair because kids change, but they put themselves in a good situation to get a commitment. What uh, what day is he going to announce? It's supposed to be the 13th, I believe, which is kind of weird because there's another kid that they're recruiting. You know, his you know his name is Sam Odomati, and he is a 6'11 center. You know, out of um, he, he's out of Pennsylvania, and he's supposed to be committing on the 13th as well. And he had he had a top 13, then he had a top six. Illinois was in it. Then yesterday he had a top four, and Illinois is in his top four as well. Even though I think Memphis is going to be tough to beat. But when I talked to him last week, he is very, very intrigued with Orlando. Orlando and Tigua and Chan, they've done a great job. And Gentry's starting to make a name for himself as well. But they've done a really good job with some of these kids and, you know, to put themselves in the final two. So the 13th is the day that I think both of those two kids are supposed to be committing. And uh, I want to ask about one other guy, Mac. I'm going to pronounce this wrong probably. Etienne, 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 Etienne. I think yeah. Etienne. I know. I did the last time I was on the show. I thought, okay, I got to get this right. But I was told Mike Etienne, but it may be different. I think I've heard a number of other recruiters say the same thing. But here's the situation with him. Illinois has been recruiting him a long, long time, and I don't want to rehash what I just said. But Illinois has been the leader. Everybody knows that. But the school that is starting to make a push for him is Kentucky. Again. You know, so it's the same thing I just said about Hopkins. So Illinois has had great inroads. If you ask people nationally, they say, yeah, Illinois has been the leader. He's been on campus. You know, he loves everything about Illinois. But I don't know what what Kentucky is saying to these kids to for playing time or how they're able to sway kids away because you can't say Illinois – is a bottom dweller team anymore. They're one of the top tens of teams, top ten teams in the country, which we talked about earlier. So he's a kid 
that I don't think is going to commit until sometime January or February. I don't think it's going to be sometime soon like we all, like most of the Illinois fans hoped. I don't think that's going to happen. But stranger things have happened. But I don't see that happening right now. But Illinois has been the leader. But Kentucky's making a huge push for him. Talking to Kedrick Prince, does some work for Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News. Over in the Quad Cities area, you're right in the middle of that Illinois Iowa rivalry over the years. What kind of trash talking is going on now, <laughs> basketball wise, over there? You know, I tell you what's really funny, you guys. I really wish for just one day everybody in the southern part of the state could just put a fly on the wall and hear everything that comes out of the Quad Cities because it's really different. The rivalry now, because even the football program, people are really overlooking the football program. I know what they return. I mean, I know what's, what's possible. And two years ago, when they got beat 63 to nothing, and then when they went to Iowa City last year in football, they closed the gap. I mean, what was it, 19 to 10 or something like uh-huh. that, I believe? Mm-hmm. It was a close game. So the talent is starting to change. And then when you look at basketball, I don't know how anybody cannot say that they're not going to watch that game, whether you're an Illinois fan or Iowa fan. The rivalry is, is heated. It used to be years ago with, you know, the whole Deion Thomas situation. It was nasty to begin with, and then it kind of died out. One team was good, one team was bad. But to give you what it tastes, what it's like, if anybody goes on Twitter and you talk about any media guy, whether it be Iowa or Illinois, talk about one team being better than the other, or Andy Katz saying that Illinois is better than Iowa, they don't like it. Everybody's coming out of the woodworks. It is a very, very healthy, fun environment. And the coaches on both sides downplay it. But let's say they all play basketball. They're competitive. And that game is fun. And that's the unfortunate last game that we all got to watch. But it's good to see both teams with so much depth. And it's good for basketball. And Because I live here, it is the most healthiest, fun thing in the world because I get to hear it from both sides. Kedrick, as always, we appreciate your time. Uh, Football is going to be fun. Basketball is going to be fun. And I'm just excited. Uh, one of the callers, Eric, in Champaign pointed out that uh, we've been doing the show for six months now without any games to talk about. And we're excited about getting some games to talk about. You know, I heard him say that. I was listening to a show earlier, and I listened to all the guests. And by the way, you guys had a great cast this morning. Um, he's right. It's been tough. I mean, you guys have done a good job. We all have because you have to find something to write about. And because the Illinois fans are so passionate and the Illinois uh, SID and athletic department, they've been really, really good at helping us, you know, get some of these interviews and to get these things going. So I just hope this COVID-19 thing stays where it is and we can get some sports because it's, it's healthy for the country. I really think we need that. And you can see it with basketball and with football. So I, I hope it gets going too and that we get to see you guys um, in the press box again here real soon. Hey, Kedrick, before I let you go, uh, they had a, a real furor over in Iowa. They, you know, Doyle got fired, the strength coach, and, and they had all kinds of uh, uh, discussions about and, and concerns about the racial handling of things. Where do you think – is this going to have any effect on the Iowa football team this fall? I don't know if it is going to this fall, but one of my good friends, who's a very, very good friend, he's a, a, a reporter. His name is Tom Caker, uh, who works for Hawkeye Report. We talked quite a bit, and I can honestly tell you, he thinks not just for this season, but it's, it's going to affect what they do recruiting, and especially in the state of Illinois. Because um, Iowa has done really, really well in Illinois, 
and some of the stuff they just couldn't hide. I mean, you can pretend that it didn't happen. It did. And I'm not saying Illinois coaches would be that way because we all know how professional Lovey is. But you know as well as I do that anything a college coach can use against you as far as recruiting, they're going to do that. And I've been told in the class of 21 and 22, you can start to see that happen a little bit. It's unfortunate, you know, but they're going to have to prove to people again that it's a healthy and safe environment. In today's world, no one wants to send their kid to a place like that, regardless of what color you are. Kendrick, we appreciate it. Good stuff. Hope to um, talk to you soon and see you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Take care, guys. You bet. Kendrick Prince, Rivals.com, Illinois.Rivals.com to uh, keep track of what uh, some of his work there, along with uh, Doug Bouchon and Brad Sturdy and the rest of the guys. We'll take a time out at 1044 and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment. 1046, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate coming down the home stretch here of our weekly uh, two-hour show with you on Saturday morning. And we're coming in loud and clear in Wichita where we Hear from Bob Hole, our longtime friend. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Morning, Steve. How are you guys? We're doing good. The number one question we have before we get to <laughs> the topic at hand is, how is my friend and former Channel 3 anchor mate, Cindy Close, doing these days? Oh, Cindy Close is doing great. She loves, uh, she loves uh, retirement. She's been retired for about four years now, and She's been into tennis for about eight or nine years and on, is on three different competitive teams and plays <laughs> tennis about six days a week. But we took up, she took up golf this year and didn't have much else to do this spring during the lockdown, so we started playing golf. Uh, we live on a golf course, and now she's hooked. So she's, <laughs> she's really into golf now, and so she stays pretty busy with uh, tennis and golf. Well, give her our regards, please, when we're done here. Uh, Bob, okay. the, the reason, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you other than uh, just say hi is the uh, situation at Wichita State. Uh, head coach Greg Marshall's been there a while, been uh, very successful, and he's coming under fire uh, allegedly for maybe uh, the way he treats his team. What, what can you tell us about that investigation and where do things stand now? Well, you know, I, I don't speak for the school, and I'm not privy to the investigation. Uh, I think it's still ongoing, uh, if I'm not wrong. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're getting some bad press right now, and uh, we're not used to that. Usually we don't get press or we, we get good press. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's been some articles in the varsity, and then I, I read the one on Yahoo Sports uh, last night. Cindy told me to read it. It's by a fellow named uh, Pete Thamel, or Thamel. Mm-hmm. And, man, uh, I read that one, and I said, who is he writing about here? Because uh, it seems like to me, now I'm, I'm with the team. I probably go to one practice, two practices a week. I travel with the team. I have for 13 years because I do the radio on the road. So I've been around them a lot, and uh, through good times and bad, and in the hotel rooms and in the planes and everything. And I thought his article was just wrong. I thought it was way over the top. And uh, he, he made Marshall sound like some out-of-control Bobby Knight-type character that was uh, running roughshod over everybody. And that couldn't be further from the truth. He's very popular in town. He's a regular guy. He doesn't have a big ego. He's popular on campus in the athletic department. Uh, the women's coaches like him. The Olympic sports coaches like him. Uh, he said he was awkward, 
and talked about his salary a lot, and I've never seen that. He's not awkward. He's pretty engaging and real likable. Uh, he didn't brag about his salary. You know, he came up the hard way. He went to Randolph-Macon and played at, and coached at College at Charleston and got the Winthrop pro, program going. So uh, he's kind of come up the hard way, and I think, if anything, he's kind of embarrassed by his salary and talks about it like, wow, I can't believe I make this much money. But I don't think he's awkward, and in, uh, he's pretty good at playing the underdog role. He likes to play the uh, Shockers as the uh, underdog uh, against the NCAA or against KU or OU. So uh, I thought he was really wrong about how he depicted uh, Greg Marshall. And then the WSU administration, he made it sound like there was no oversight and they never reprimanded Greg or suspended Greg, and that's just not true. They have. Uh, I was with them on a tour in Canada we were playing McGill University, and we were really getting cheated in the game. They weren't putting our score up on the scoreboard. We made about three buckets, and they didn't even put it up on the scoreboard. <laughs> and then one of our big guys got laid out on a breakaway and got a concussion. And so Greg kind of lost it, and he he kind of did an Earl Weaver-type thing where he got ejected by uh, going on the floor and going after the referees and I think mainly it was an act just to kind of show he was supporting the players and uh, hey, you're not going to let my, you know, you're not going to let the game to get this rough and and get my players hurt. So he was defending the players and got tossed out, and they came back from down ten and won it in overtime. So uh, the the president of the university, though, uh, he personally reprimanded him for that, and he was uh, suspended for the remainders of the games on the Canadian trip. So. You know, I, he's he's had oversight and he's been reprimanded, and I, I think uh, that article in the Yahoo Sports just kind of misrepresented all of that. And then the whole thing about punching a player, I I just don't think that happened. Uh, I wasn't at that practice, but I've heard it described as when Shaq Morris uh, ran into one of his teammates and flipped him on a breakaway. The guy landed on his back, and Zach Brown had a pretty bad back at the time. Coach got really mad, and Greg Marshall told us, you know, went at Shaq and said, you're out of here, and kicked him out of practice, and he kind of shoved him out the door when he was leaving the practice gym, and some of the guys said he punched him, and most of the people say, no, he shoved him out the door. So, I don't know, Shaq is about six foot eight, 260 pounds, and Greg Marshall is about your size, Lauren, so I I just don't see a you know a guy that size taking a swing at a guy six eight two sixty and well, and Bob, the whole thing about choking choking an assistant coach uh, I don't think that happened either. So anyway, the article kind of exaggerated a lot of stuff and jumped to a lot of conclusion that WSU didn't have the guts to fire Marshall. I don't think anybody here wants to fire Marshall. Well, the thing I was going to bring up to you what we talked about last night is the fact that six members of the team including, I believe, the, the second and third leading scorers have left since last season, and there must be some reason why they're leaving in that. What's your reaction to that? Well, we lost seven guys. Seven we lost guys. seven guys off last what, year. One was a walk-on, right? Yeah. Uh, four of them were guys kind of at the end of the bench and uh, kind of saw that, you know, they probably weren't going to play here, and so they wanted to go somewhere else where they could play. Three of the guys were key players, though, uh, and had played a lot, but they were unhappy. Uh, it, was, it was a weird season. We had bad chemistry. They were all freshmen and sophomores, 
and the sophomores had led the team to the NIT Final Four the year before. You know, remember when we beat Indiana in Bloomington to, to go to the uh, NIT Final Four? Those sophomores, uh, some of them lost their starting spots to a bunch of talented freshmen. So we had a group of freshmen. We had a group of sophomores. Those guys didn't like each other. And uh, Marshall tried to tried to work on the chemistry, but it never got any better. Uh, and the, the team was just – they didn't like each other, and they didn't get along. We only had one senior on the team. Now, the team won 23 games. We got fourth in the AAC, and I think everybody had us in this uh, last four in for the NCAA tournament. So uh, Coach Marshall did a good job with them, and we won, we won a lot of games, but uh, a lot of guys wanted to transfer. And uh, they all thought, I think, that the NCAA was changing the transfer rule and that they would all be eligible this coming season, but then the NCAA backtracked and said, no, we're going to wait, and we might change the rule next year or the year after. So all these guys now have got to sit out a year. So they all applied for a waiver, and one of the guys we have heard uh, was calling around to the other guys saying, well, let's just talk about that we are mistreated by the coach and, and use that as our reason for a waiver and they talked to Jeff Goodman at Varsity Sports Online, uh, you know, thing, and, and he did that article about all the transfers, and uh, all the guys got waivers except one. So I, I, I don't know, but that might add something to do with it. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, guys, have, guys have gotten smart about that. <laughs> you complain about the coach, they'll give you automatic waiver, right? I mean, that, that's just that's going yeah. on all, all across the country. And, by the way, the transfers – there's no limit to that now, Bob. It's there. There's we're just going to see free agency forever. Well, Lauren, I think that's a mistake because uh, you know, and I'm all for players being able to transfer, but I think there's got to be some limits because I think you're just going to see more and more transfers, and uh, it's going to be really hard for coaches to coach their guys. Uh, you know, it's going to get like AAU ball in the summertime. Well, Bob, we appreciate your time. We knew you could uh, get us up to date on that uh, situation out there. Always good to check in with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Hey, uh, Steve, let me add one thing. Do you got another minute? Yes. Hey, Greg Marshall is a really good coach, but he's kind of an old-school type coach, you know, trying to adapt to the new changing athletes, you know. And I think Coach K's had to do that. I think Bill Self's had to do that. Tom Izzo's had to do that. I think Brad Underwood's had to do it, you know, because they grew up, he grew up under Jack Hartman, you know. Right. You're and, right. Uh, you know, and you can't coach these guys today like Coach Marshall coached Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker and Takel Cotton and uh, those guys, you know, or Malcolm Armstead, you know, who dominated Aaron Kraft in that Ohio State game when we went to Final Four. I mean, those guys, you could yell at them all day long, and they were tough and had thick skin and, but now, you know, five, six years later, it's changed. And I think uh, Greg's learning that he's got to change, too. And he's, we've seen him soften the last couple of years and, and try to change his approach. And I hear Brad is, too. So it's, it's, I think everybody's dealing with it. You bet. Good, good stuff, Bob. Hit him straight today, will you? <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Bob. Bob Hole with us. We need to take one final break on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll be back after this. We're about 90 seconds away from 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Big Ten football starting in two weeks, but there's 
college football today among uh, some of the games involving top 25 teams. Maybe the uh, marquee game is that uh, Clemson game tonight, Clemson and Miami. That game is... Can Miami stay with them? We'll find out. <laughs> number one against number seven. I don't think so. Well, I would doubt it too, but at least Miami's back in the in the hunt. Alabama plays Ole Miss. Uh, number three, Georgia plays 14, Tennessee. Those are some of the games. Notre Dame back in action. Notre Dame rated number five. They play Florida State today. And uh, so that's some of the action. We appreciate uh, you listening on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our guest, Mike Bellamy, Illini coach of running backs for the uh, football team. Georgie Bashanis Village joins us as well, as did Illini women's basketball coach Nancy Fay, Kedrick Prince from Rivals.com, and uh, just most recently, Bob Hull, former Illini assistant coach, spent uh, several years in Champaign-Urbana and is now doing radio commentary for Wichita State. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you next week. We'll try to do it again. I'll be here. All comes your way on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to our producer, Blake Landa. And we'll talk to you next week. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.